I'm in Pastor Mike here. Glad to have you join us for this week's Valor podcast. This podcast is an extension of our church harvest, where Greg Laurie is our senior pastor. And Greg is teaching through the book of Acts, so you can join us on Sundays here at Harvest at 9 or 11, or check out uh, the sermons um, as they're streamed at harvest.org. We are in Acts 20 today, as our Harvest groups are going through Acts as well, and you can join a group at harvest.church forward slash groups. I've got a question. Can you imagine living in a time in history when the ruling power didn't believe in God Almighty? In fact, they had the idea that they were Almighty, that they were the ones uh, who believed that they should allow freedom or lack of freedom. Can you imagine living in a time when there was confusion about what was right or what was wrong? In fact, might was right, and that was the ideology. How about a time when there was confusion over when life begins or what is the definition of life or right to life? Or confusion over what is the definition of a woman or the definition of a man? Who is a man? Who is a woman? What defines that? Or maybe confusion over the roles in a marriage of a husband or a wife? Or confusion over whether the state has more rights than parents over what their children are taught or what they should believe? Or confusion over whether people should be held accountable for stealing or lying or hurting others? Or confusion over what's true or what's not true? Or when deception was considered okay if the ends justified the means. You may be thinking, I'm talking about our time right now, right? Well, in some ways I am. In some ways we're living right now and all these things are going on. And sometimes we feel like we're watching a bad sitcom when we watch the news. I have two books at home that give me hope. Well, I have more than that because I have the Bible, which is the greatest book of all. And I have a bunch of other books, but I have these two books that I really, uh, they've kind of become my friends. You know how that is when you read a book or, or maybe even a, a reference manual or something, it kind of becomes your friend. Well, these books were written by Billy Graham, and one was called The World of Flame, and I'll tell you the other one in just a minute. But this one book called World of Flame was written in 1965. Now, that's a long time ago. In it, Billy writes about the chaos and the pain and the confusion that was taking place, not only in America, but in the world during the late 60s and early 70s. And Billy Graham lists six flames. These six flames were the demographic flame, the flame of lawlessness, the racial flame, the red flame of communism, the flame of uncontrolled silence, and the flame of political dilemma. He goes into these things and how they were bringing chaos and fear, not only in America, but in the world. And Billy Graham wrote this, which I think is really great. He says, I do not believe it is too late. I do not believe we have passed the point of no return. I do not believe that all is black and hopeless. There is still time to return to the moral and spiritual principles that made the West great. There is still time for God to intervene. But there is a time coming when it will be too late, and we are rapidly approaching that time. Pretty powerful. But then in 1971, six years later, Billy Graham wrote another book. This is another book I love, another one of my friends, I guess. And Billy Graham wrote in this book, it was titled The Jesus Generation. This was written at the height of the Jesus People movement 
when hundreds of thousands of young adults, teenagers, young families were turning to Jesus Christ for important answers to life that the world and the world leaders just couldn't give them. And in the midst of craziness, God did this massive work, a modern-day revival. Pastor Greg wrote a book about his own experiences in this time because he, like maybe some of you, were a part of the Jesus generation or the Jesus Revolution. And it's a great read. That's the title of Pastor Greg's book, The Jesus Revolution. He not only wrote a book, but is in the middle of helping uh, tell a story and a full feature film by Lionsgate called The Jesus Revolution. Why is he doing this? Because we need another Jesus Revolution, a Jesus generation in America right now. Listen, there are flames happening now, the same flames that Billy Graham wrote about. We all see it. The world is in a real sense aflame. But in this chapter in Acts today, we can learn something. It teaches us something, man, something about how to live in a world that is aflame. Before I start reading Acts 20, let me set the stage. We've been going through this great book of Acts, learning about the, really, the explosion of the gospel in the known world. And Paul, of course, is a Jewish believer and a Roman citizen. He's a believer in Jesus Christ living in the Roman Empire. And Rome, well, Rome had all these issues that we just talked about. Caesar thought he was God. He was the one who thought he allowed freedom to the people. He decided what was right or wrong. Might was right. That was the theology of Rome. Life was decided by Rome, or right to life was decided by Rome. Immorality and perversion were common. The roles in a marriage with a husband and wife were definitely not biblical. Truth was subjective. Deception was considered okay if the ends justified the means. And Rome had adopted what they liked from the Greeks, the Hellenists, the arts, the philosophy, even the academia, the morals, or the lack of, and more. And they ruled with an iron fist. And in this chapter, we're looking at this man, Paul of Tarsus, known as the Apostle Paul, and he goes straight into the hornet's nest proclaiming a new king, a new way of living, and a new reality. So let's start reading here in Acts chapter 20. It says, When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for his disciples, and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people, and finally arrived in Greece, where he stayed for three months. Because some Jews had plotted against him as he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to go back through Macedonia, and he accompanied by Sopatar, the son of Phyrus from Berea, Aristarchus, and Segundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derbe, Timothy also, and Tychicus, Trophimus, and from the province of Asia. These men went on ahead and waited for us at Troas, but we sailed from Philippi after the festival of the unleavened bread and five days later joined the others at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. Now you notice in that passage, there's that we. That we is actually Luke. Uh, Luke is writing this, so he's including himself in this. So Paul is with Luke and all these other guys. Paul had raised quite a stir in Ephesus when he was in Asia, so much so that he had to go to Greece and Macedonia, which is kind of across the pond, across the Aegean Sea, 
right, which is right above the Mediterranean. And he stayed there three months ministering and then sailed back across to Troas, which is right next to Troy. Now, if you like gladiator movies, and you've probably heard of Troy, but Troy was a city that was right next to Troas. When Paul was in Troas, a crazy thing happened. This is almost like a little sidebar here. Let me read it. Verse 7, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread, and Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. And there were many lamps in the upstairs room where they were meeting. And seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. And as Paul talked on and on, when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. And Paul went down and threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. And then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. And after talking until daylight, he left. And the people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. So this guy Eutychus falls asleep while listening to Paul's message. I don't think I would ever fall asleep listening to Paul. This guy must have had a rough day. But let me say this. Please don't fall asleep during this podcast, especially if you're driving. Go ahead and flip to some station that will get you revved up. You know, I can joke right now because as sad as this was, if this guy fell out a three-story seat, and hit the ground and died, Paul goes and falls on him, and he comes to life, and and then gives him something to eat, and everyone is okay here. I love this story because it just shows the power of God. God is powerful. God can raise the dead. And when we are in God's will and in step with God, miraculous things will happen. Raising the dead, I don't know. But an angel did say to Mary, with God, nothing is impossible. I'm not saying go out and try to have a raise the dead ministry, but to get in step with God and watch him do miraculous things as we serve the Lord. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 17, 20, he said, I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even the small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. God wants to move mountains and obstacles in our lives And he does so in partnership as we put our faith in him and ask for his help. Do you have a mountain or an obstacle or maybe an opportunity that you have before you that you need God to intervene? You you have to have God help in this way. Well, the Bible says that we need to pray. We need to put our faith in him to do the things that are impossible. And we're going to pray at the end of this message today for that. But I have no doubt that there are things that are in each of our lives that God needs to work, that God has to be the one to make it happen. So we want to pray for those things. So after this incident with Eutychus, Paul leaves Troas on the coast of Asia, and then he does some island hopping down the Greek archipelago. He goes to Melantine, he goes to Chios and Samos, and all these are beautiful islands, really, in the Mediterranean. And they were significant places to minister to because there were populations on these islands. And then Paul goes back to the coast city of Miletus, which is in Asia, where he sends word for all the church leaders in Ephesus to come and join him because he wants to share something with them. In verse 18, verses 18 through 21, it says, And from Miletus, 
Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. And when they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you? From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plot of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would help be helpful to you, but I have taught you publicly from house to house, and I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and to complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. This is a very tender moment here, and Paul is remembering his time with this group of believers, and he wants them to know his love and his commitment and his devotion to them. I want to talk about that in a second because in verse 21, he says something very important. You know, Paul was a great communicator who kept the message simple. And in verse 21, he says, I have declared to both Jew and Greek that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul kept the message simple. You know, repentance is simply turning to God. It's doing a 180. It's agreeing that I'm not God, but God is God. It's recognizing that I'm a sinner and God is holy. It's recognizing that I can't save myself, but God can save me. It's recognizing that we need to turn to God. And he saves us through his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sin. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned against God. Everyone. We've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. That's what that word sin means. It means to miss the mark, to miss perfection. And we've all sinned. The Bible goes on to say in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of our sin is death, but the gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, wages are something that we earn. You know, when we go to work for the day, we put in our, our time and you know, at the end of the week or the end of the, the two weeks, we get a paycheck that we've earned. Well, the reality is we've all earned death because of our own sin. But God offers us a free gift. It's a gift that we just receive. We don't have to work toward it. We just have to receive it. Romans 5.8 tells us that God demonstrates his love toward us, that while we're yet sinners, that Christ died for us. God, in his love, sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins. And we need to believe and receive. And Paul kept the message of the gospel simple. Paul wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians 2, 8, 9 and said, it's by grace you are saved through faith, this not of yourself, not by works, lest anyone should boast. It's a gift of God. You know, we can keep the message simple when we share. We were talking in our harvest group the other night the guys, we have about 15 guys in our group, and we were talking about how we could do better seizing the opportunities to share Jesus with people and how people want help and hope, 
And we have a Savior who offers both. And when Paul went anywhere, his head was always on a swivel looking for opportunities everywhere he went. We need to be the same way, looking for those opportunities that God may bring our way to share the love of Christ. We live in a generation, this generation, that's looking for answers, and they're not finding them, but we have the answer in Jesus Christ. You know, in verses 23 through 28, Paul gives them the sad news that they were not going to see his face anymore. He basically told them that they were going to need to carry the torch, that they were going to need to be the shepherds, basically saying, you're the shepherds over this flock. And it was a serious responsibility to look out for God's people because in that passage, he told them that Jesus had purchased these people with his own blood. They were Jesus' people. In verse 32, he says, I commend you to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. The word of God builds us up in our faith. It's so important for us to be reading God's Word, to be studying God's Word, to be talking about God's Word. That's what I really love about our group time, because we can read these passages, and then we can talk about them, and not only the truth of them, but how we apply them in our own lives. And if you're not part of a fellowship where you're uh, consistently talking about God's Word and talking about how God uh, God's Word applies to circumstances of your life, raising kids or being a, a grandparent or maybe a student or on the job. God's Word will build you up in your faith. In verse 36 through 38, Paul says this, And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them. And then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he had spoke, that they would see his face no more, and they accompanied him to the ship. Paul leaves his beloved friends, his brothers and sisters in the Lord. It can be tough when you know you're saying goodbye to someone for the last time here on earth. I like that Paul left nothing undone. He laid it all out. He encouraged them. He prayed with them. He even got on his knees. They wept with him. I've had to say goodbye to people in my life, my dad and my mom. It's, it's hard, but it can be glorious too. But we need to say what we need to say. We need to pray. We need to worship. Sometimes you don't know when the last time you're going to see someone may be. But don't leave things undone. Keep short accounts. If you need to forgive somebody, forgive them. If you need to encourage them, encourage them. If you need to give something to someone, if there's something that the Lord has laid on your heart and you need to give to someone or to help them, do that. Don't wait. Pray with them. Worship. And then see them in heaven. Let's make the most of our opportunities, sharing the hope of Jesus in these crazy times. Let's not leave stuff on the table so that we will have that shared inheritance that Paul talks about together. Amen? Let's pray right now over uh, the opportunities that God is going to give us and those mountains that he wants to move in our lives. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a loving God who knows every detail of our lives. And Lord, there's some even listening today that have obstacles or mountains, Lord, that need to be moved. And Lord, you're in that business, Lord, and we just need a little faith. You're the God who makes things happen. So we pray that you would open up these doors that you would move these mountains, that you would turn these obstacles into opportunities, Lord. And we just uh, want to give you thanks beforehand. We want to be in the vein of what you're doing. 
And Lord, we also definitely want to keep short accounts. We want to make sure that um, when we're with people, people we care about, that we leave nothing undone, that we say the things that we want to say and the things that we should say, and that we leave encouraging and blessing, even as Paul showed us with these believers, these brothers, these friends that were from Ephesus. So we ask for your grace. We ask for your love and your blessing on our day, Lord. And we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us. Hope to see you at church. And uh, we'll talk to you later. God bless.